The Southern Unsolved Mysteries series has been nothing short of tragic. It is always heartbreaking to research into cold cases that have seemingly been forgotten by time. It is my hope, with this series, to bring light to lesser-known cases from the southern United States. I do plan on eventually covering the rest of the country as well. I have covered a few cold cases from the West Coast in the past, which you can find in the Unsolved Mysteries playlist. Today, I'm going to be stopping in South Carolina to cover a few truly tragic, unsolved disappearances. As always, if you have a case you would like to recommend for a future episode, be sure to comment them down below. Now, let's get into these stories. Number 1. The Odd Disappearance of Farica Brown The first case I wanted to talk about today is the truly strange story behind the 1995 disappearance of Farica Brown. Now, Farica was originally from New Jersey, but had moved to his grandmother's home in Central Avenue in Lancaster, South Carolina in 1990, when he was 13 years old. By the time February 14, 1995 came around, Farica was freshly 18 years old with a slender build, standing at roughly 6 feet tall or so and weighing about 150 pounds. At the time, he was working at a local Applebee's, which to those who may not know, Applebee's is an American chain restaurant that can be found virtually everywhere in the country. Farica often dressed rather nice according to his family members. It was not uncommon for him to spend his free time with his friends, even staying overnight on occasion. Farica would always make sure to call home and let his grandmother know where he was, though. On Valentine's Day 1995, Farica had joined his aunt, Juanita Brown, to visit his grandmother at the Piedmont Medical Center, located in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Farica had brought her a get-well balloon and spent some time with her before traveling back home to Lancaster. He arrived back in Lancaster somewhere between 3 and 4 p.m. Not long after, he asked his aunt Juanita if he could get a ride from her. To note, she only lived two houses down from Farica's home. She declined to give him a ride, and he proceeded to walk. He was supposed to be back later that day, but was never seen again. Unfortunately, since Farica's grandmother was in the hospital, his absence went unnoticed for about six days. A couple of Farica's friends who were recently borrowing his car, a gray Dodge Colt, dropped off his keys with his relatives and mentioned how they had not heard from him. It was very unlike Farica to leave without any sort of warning or note. His personal belongings were left behind, including important things like his wallet and driver's license. Investigators began speaking to family members, friends, and anyone else who may have known Farica. With not much to go off of, they enter Farica Brown's information into the National Crime Information Center, also known as the NCIC. After heavy examination of his home, and more specifically his bedroom, Lancaster Captain Susan Hunter noticed that Farica had left behind an awfully lot of important clothing he would have surely needed on an extended trip. Captain Susan Hunter also noted that the fact that Farica's car was returned home the same day he was reported as missing was a bit suspicious as well. Now, the story Farica's friends gave investigators as to why they had his car was a bit fishy. They claimed Farica had left it at a body shop to get some work done. 
They could never get any information on that, though. Captain Susan Hunter did her best to follow up all the leads they could, but it ultimately led to nowhere. She cannot help but wonder if the friends knew more than they have let on. In 2010, a news article was released with a quote from Captain Hunter. She stated that Farrakha's case is far from forgotten and they are still actively putting up flyers about him. They hope to give the family closure one day. Sadly, Farrakha's grandmother died in 1998 never knowing where her beloved grandson went. Farrakha's mother and aunt are still alive hoping for answers. No one really knows what happened to Farrakha Brown on Valentine's Day 1995. At this point, all we know is Farrakha left his belongings at home and has never been seen or heard from again, and his friends are not talking. Farrakha Brown is roughly 6 feet tall and weighs around 150 pounds. He has his left ear pierced, and he has a noticeable birthmark or scar of some kind on his right arm and head. He had shoulder-length braids at the time. If you or anyone you may know has any information on this case, please contact Lancaster Police Department at 803-283-1171. And of course, you can always remain anonymous. Number 2. The Tragic Story of Dale Dinwiddie For this next case, we need to travel back to 1992 in the city of Columbia, South Carolina. Columbia is a rather large city with an estimated population of around 132,000 people. Columbia is also the state capital, is in the center of the Columbia metropolitan area, which boasts upwards of 850,000 residents. It is safe to say in an area with so many people living their lives, it is no doubt that some may go missing in broad daylight. Unfortunately for Dale Dinwiddie, she would be one of the many who seemingly vanish in a crowd of people. On September 23, 1992, Dale and a group of her friends were attending a U2 concert. For those who are not aware or may not know, or were born after 2000, U2 is an Irish rock band from the mid-70s. The show was happening at the ever-buzzing williams Bryce Stadium, home to the South Carolina Gamecocks college football games. This stadium currently holds over 80,000 people, but in 1992 it had the capacity to sit around 73,000. Still a lot of people. The concert went on until about 11.15 p.m. Then, Dale and her friends decided to head toward the Five Points area of Columbia. They went to a popular nightclub in the area at the time named Jungle Gyms. It is rather unclear what happened that night, as sometime during the hour and a half they were there, Dale would get separated from her group of friends. Around 1 a.m. on September 24th, the group left the club and assumed Dale had called her parents or had gotten a ride home. Sadly, this was not the reality of the situation. Dale was still in the nightclub, unaware her friends had left without her. Dale could be seen on surveillance footage asking a bouncer if they had seen her friends. Sometime around 1.30 a.m. she stopped talking with the bouncer and was seen walking north on Hardin Street. Consequently, Dale has never been seen or heard from again. Dale Dinwiddie is a Caucasian female with brown hair and brown eyes. 
She was 23 at the time of her disappearance and weighed approximately 96 to 100 pounds and was about 5 feet tall. She was last seen wearing a forest green sweatshirt, a blue nylon LL bean jacket tied around her waist, faded blue jeans, and sneakers. Now I realize there is not a ton of information behind this case, but that is exactly why I chose to cover this one, as I feel there is so much being left out or kept from the public. There have been multiple theories thrown around as what happened to Dale Dinwiddie, the most popular theory being, well, abduction or murder. This is the primary theory that most investigators have gotten behind. Some people close to the story insist Dale had to have been taken by someone who knew her, or potentially a stalker or stranger who had been following her for some time. Many have stated that it would be very unlikely for Dale to enter a stranger's vehicle on her own accord, leaving many to think she was familiar with whoever she got in the vehicle with. It does look like the lack of clues in this case indicate Dale's disappearance was likely a carefully planned event. Investigators have gone on record to say, anyone who kidnapped her on impulse would most likely have been sloppy, leaving behind clues. To me, this is not necessarily a solid argument, as with a lack of witnesses, we clearly have a lack of clues, which does not mean the potential abduction was planned or unplanned at all. The absence of evidence does not mean the evidence of absence. I am unsure of where I lean in this case, but I can say there have been a few suspects over the years. A popular suspect who was investigated was a man named Ronaldo Javier Rivera. He confessed to killing four women in Georgia and is suspected to have been behind many more. What made Rivera a solid suspect was that he was a violent killer who had lived in the area at the time Dale disappeared. He was even attending the University of South Carolina in 1992. The university is not terribly far from the Five Points area Dale was last seen. Outside of the possibility of him being in the area, though, no evidence has ever been found linking him to the crime. At the end of the day, Dale and her family deserve answers and closure. Over the years, investigators have followed up on thousands of tips, many of which are somewhat useful, but there are quite a few that border on ridiculous. Many properties have been searched after reports of foul odors and deer bones were dug up. Ground-penetrating radar, scent dogs, and more have all been dispatched and used to aid officials. In lighter news, Dale's dental records and DNA are on record. If her remains are ever found, she will likely be identified. Even though odds are slim that this case will be solved, I see no reason to not share this in hopes of someone possibly knowing something. There is still a $20,000 reward for anyone with information that solves this case. If you, or anyone you may know, have any information regarding to Dale Dinwiddie's whereabouts, please call the Columbia Police Department at 803-545-3500. Number 3. The Strange Disappearance of Paula Merchant This last case also comes from the Columbia, South Carolina area more specifically the community of Forest Acres. We are once again traveling back to the 90s. The year is 1999. It was early January and the start of a new year and the final year before the new millennium. Paula Merchant 
was living in Forest Acres, South Carolina when she left her home at around 6.30 p.m., where she was seen driving her tan 1989 Nissan Sentra. Paula was supposed to be meeting up with her church congregation on LaGrande Road. She would, for some unknown reason, never show up and never be heard from again. Before I go any further, I would like to take some time for us to get to know who Paula was. Paula Merchant was 25 years old and a recent graduate of Georgia State University. She had recently moved in with her parents and had planned to enter a master's degree program for anthropology at the University of South Carolina. Paula has medium-length blonde hair. She often wears ponytails or braids. She has brown eyes, stands around 5'6", and weighs roughly 120 pounds or so. She has rather distinct dimples and was last seen wearing a light green sweater, gray pants, black shoes, a black beanie, and was carrying a dark brown purse. Now that we know a little bit more about Paula, let us proceed further into this strange story. The next morning, at 12 a.m., Paula's vehicle was found abandoned and burned. The car was found on the 2000 block of Commerce Drive in Columbia, South Carolina. There were no signs of Paula at the scene, though. This is where the story really runs cold. Just like Dale Dinwiddie's case, though, investigators had a suspicion that Ronaldo Javier Rivera was potentially responsible. Rivera was charged with the murders of four women in Augusta, Georgia in October of 2000. He went to college in the Columbia area and knew the site of Paula's disappearance well. While there are some noticeable differences between Rivera's crimes and the disappearance of Paula Merchant, there are enough similarities to lead investigators to allow further investigation. Paula's family has stated publicly that they will continue to search for answers and hope to find Paula. They have had many calls, visits, letters, and cards from friends and the concerned public. They continue to hope and pray that they will see Paula's safe return. Rivera is suspected to have killed many more than the four he was convicted for, but none of these have ever been tied to him. What truly happened to Paula Merchant all those years ago remains a mystery. Hopefully, we will know in time. If you or anyone you may know has any information on this case, there is a $25,000 reward for anyone who has information leading to the whereabouts of Paula. Please call in any tips to Forest Anchors Police Department at 803-782-9444. And of course, you can always remain anonymous. Thank you all so much for watching and continuing to support the Southern Unsolved Mysteries series. These cases are truly tragic and deserve justice. If any of you have any information, please be sure to send those in to the proper police departments and help these investigators put these cases to rest. If you enjoyed this video or found it informative, please be sure to give it a like as it helps me out a ton in the YouTube algorithm. If you're listening to this on iTunes or another platform, be sure to give this a 5-star rating, as that helps me out a ton as well. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us and help us expand our ever-growing waters? Hit the subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new video. I upload them almost every single day, and all things natural and supernatural. 
If you have a case you would like me to check out in a future video, be sure to comment it down below or send it in at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'll see you all soon with another creepy video.